Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Pastor Karen and Pastor Malcolm are like a son and daughter in the Lord to me and I love them both big time and well, you know what, I've been so inspired over the years because I encountered them over 20 years ago and I saw some of the beginnings and now I see what God is doing not only here, which is incredible for this community and for this city, but globally around the world, I just honour them. And I'm grateful that they allow me to still be part of the journey. It's really cool. Um, this morning, I, I'm very clear in what the Lord wants me to preach on, but I've got six points to give you. I, I, for those of you who don't know me, I don't eat locusts or anything like that. Um, but I, uh, I have certain things. I, I definitely have a non-negotiable in my life and that is when I'm going to a church even if it's one that I have been to many times I simply present a blank sheet of paper to the Lord and I say Father I'm not saying a thing until you start talking because there's many things you can minister on but Father knows exactly what's going on in the church at the time but he also knows what he's going to be calling them to do in the next 12 months or the next two years or whatever that space of time is. And I don't know when I'll be back here, whether it's in 12 months' time or 24 months' time or whatever, whatever that is. But in that time, Father already knows because he lives in eternity. Therefore, he's as much in tomorrow as he is in today. And so in the, in the understanding of what he's calling you to do, he will now speak to prepare you for that. You understand? Um, let's just pray. Father, we want to thank you again for the wonderful joy, the privilege, the honor that it is, Father, to be your sons, be your daughters, to just bask in your love and your affection. Father, you're amazing. And Father, here this morning, every person in this building is important, Father, to you. And I pray that every person will receive that was your heart's intention for them. Father, there'll be no uh, lack of clarity, but Father, there'll be uh, that life-giving, changing, transforming, empowering word that will help them to be all that you're calling them to be. So Father, we give you alone the honor for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, um, before we get into it, um, this guy down here, I'm, I'm quite rudely pointing directly at you. You're in a tr I think it's like a tracksuit type top. Yeah, and you just went like this. Okay, uh, and I think you're connected to the one on your right. Yeah, uh, that's a relief. Because um, <clears throat> if, you, if you're not, you were a little close. Um, the, um, just a very simple, simple word. Go again. Go again. Go again. It's, it's like God's put something in your heart or you had a desire and it's like you hit an obstacle or a setback or it didn't quite 
get through it. I just feel the word resolve, tenacity, get up, go again, break through. Okay? Because there's something on the other side of that push through that's really, really worth it. Okay. Um, there's a there's a lady down there. Um, you just lean to to your right. Yeah. Uh, um, give me a little wave. Yes. Okay. You you had someone sitting beside you too. Uh, it's um, this will be recorded. I'll keep in the flow. Simply, what I saw was a vivid picture. I saw a very vivid picture. Um, and I saw like a book. And the Lord was in the process and he's now coming through the door. By all means, come. <laughs> Take a seat. <laughs> I, I, uh, I assume you two are connected as well. Oh, good. It's always such a relief to find that out. Um, but when I, in the worship time, I, something bugged me and I looked behind me and as soon as I saw you two, I felt the Lord just give me this picture and it was like a, a book that he was writing, obviously your lives. And as he went to write a new chapter, it was like he had to bathe the previous chapters in oil. And I saw him saturating the previous chapters in oil. And, the, you know, the healing, beautiful grace was just flowing over those pages. And, it was, and it, when they got to a certain saturation point, that's everything up until now, suddenly he was released to begin to write the most incredible chapters that now lie ahead. So... Just receive that um, because the clarity and the strength of the chapters that I saw being written were made quite amazing. Yeah, so take that as an encouragement and allow the oil to flow on that which was previous. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, pastors Malcolm and Karen, yes, and the rest of the church. <laughs> we'll get to you now. The first word the Lord gave me to write down was the word reconnaissance. And uh, I saw you both actually taking a trip um, and quite literally to spy out the land. That was a phrase. I wrote it down as he gave it to me, spy out the land. And I saw you identifying and seeing the uh, spiritual potential of this place in particular, and the phrase that is attached to the place is, quote, a Christian legacy once boldly established but lost. And that was the phrase I was supposed to give you. It will help you identify the situation. A Christian legacy once boldly established but lost. And God's going to give you a strategy to recover the legacy. Okay. I also saw a difficult decision having been made concerning a personal appointment uh, and, and the phrase came to me, the honouring of the past must be acknowledged but must never hinder you from the decisions that are vital for the future. So I'll leave that there. Um, number three, I see an increase of apostolic fatherhood that now demands a new structure to support a global 
family. Now, when I wrote down the words global family, I, it was like the Lord was saying, mm, lean into that a moment, and it was like a family within a family. Uh, and for some, uh, I guess this will mean something to you, we'll talk about it at lunchtime, but what, it was like the difference between cousins, they're still family, but sons and daughters are different. They're immediate family. Uh, and it was like you're going to have an increased role, but in both. In both. Um, now, number four, I saw a, over the next few months, I see a new significance um, concerning the person and the prophetic picture type of Joshua. For some reason, Joshua is going to really come to the fore in what God is saying to you. Um, and it's the, both the person of Joshua and the prophetic declaration of his life. Okay. Uh, the fifth thing I saw was um, runners on an Olympic track. And it was a very interesting picture because I've never seen this in the natural, but this is what I saw. I saw all these uh, uh, runners lining up, but they were all watching all but one, were watching a big clock. And, and there, somebody, I don't know who is, the people that you know, were in charge of all that, um, were, had a time up on the clock when that race was going to start. But just as they were getting there, they would flash up a scene saying, the conditions are not ideal for this race and they postpone it and they get closer to time and they, they flash it back it up the conditions are not really ideal at this moment and they postpone it again and they were all watching this clock and announcements except for one one runner was just standing there wouldn't even look at it just kept his eyes on the starter and, and, and then I saw the starter finally uh, just had enough of this announcement business. And the starter just did rubbish on the starter. And he, and, and he lifted his arm and he shot the gun and he started the race because he had just had enough, too many postponements and he shot the gun. Well, only the guy that had his eyes on the starter actually started to run. The others got all caught by surprise. And of course, he's the one that won the race. And, and so what the starter had done was illogical and unreasonable in the light of the conditions. But one, the one who had his eyes on the starter, was made, uh, uh, able to immediately go into gear and embrace a moment that was illogical and completely unreasonable, but because the starter shot the gun, he went anyhow, and he won the race. That's going to really mean something. Sorry if this all sounds vague to everybody. I'll, I'll explain it in just a moment. Uh, number six, and the final one was, this phrase came to me, the logic of the season is subject to the master's purpose, not the other way around. The logic of the season is subject to the master's purpose, not the other way around. Friends, listen to me. We don't serve the season. We serve 
the God of the season. And he is far greater than the season. And so I, I then lent into this and said, well, Father, what is it you actually want me to preach on? And, and the phrase that he gave me was, now, I've, I've preached most things a thousand times. I've been preaching for just on 51 years now. Uh, and, but I don't know how many times you've ever heard this preached on. It's not the season for figs. So what? That's the phrase. I says, I beg your pardon, Father. He says, that's what I want you to preach on. It's not the season for figs. So what? And so, I, of course, I had to go find something in the Bible to do with figs. And so we, I found it in Mark chapter 11. And um, there are times, we won't go there quite yet, but there are times when God will challenge a person. So this is for all of you now. God will challenge a person or a family or a business or a church or an organization to do that which is illogical. It's completely unreasonable. It's just based upon sheer obedience alone and it's completely out of sync with the season. That's the thought that I could never get away with. God, listen, God is going to ask you to do something in the, over the next 12 months or so that is completely out of sync with the season. And this word will be important to you. Okay, let's go to Mark chapter 11 and read this account in the life of Jesus. But before we do, oh, sorry, it's up there already. Okay, but before we go to that scripture, before we go there, we often learn principles of faith and uh, from what people have done and how amazing was the provision of God. I've got a book here, You Did What?, and it's full of miracles of God's provision. But you know what? I also believe that we learn from the moments that there wasn't provision or didn't appear to be provision. And I found something in, over the last five decades, and that is this. My father is a provider. He can't stop being a provider because he is one. And so the issue is never to do with provision, it's always to do with purpose. And so you expect that there will come provision here, and it doesn't. Let me tell you something, it's always about purpose. It's never a lack of provision. God's always got a purpose. Have you got that in mind? Okay, now... Verse 12, Mark 11. Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he, that is Jesus, was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. I was so relieved to find that phrase in the Bible. Um, for it was not the season for figs. And in response, Jesus said to this tree, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. That sounded pretty severe stuff. There is one word in there that brings an entirely different understanding to that scripture. It says here, if perhaps 
he would find something on it. My friends, can you see that? Where is it? And he went to find it. Is that New King James? Yeah. I can't read it. If he could find any figs, that's actually... Yeah, okay. Well, can I tell you something? That, that actually, is that New King James? Is it? Okay, I must have another one down here. That's all right. Maybe there's more than one King, New King James. That's all right. My, whatever translation Rob put in my notes here had the word perhaps. And you know what? I read it about four times and something would not settle for me. And I, I, so I looked it up and here it would be the word, I don't know how they got the word if there, but the fact of the matter is I looked up the original Greek text and it stunned me because the word perhaps, which they put if there, I looked it up and you can do it easy too. I'm not misleading you. It's, just, it's, it's, it's the word ara in the Greek and you can turn that screen off now. That is the word ara and it's translated over 40 times in the, new, in the epistles in the New Testament. And you know what? This was the only time it was translated perhaps. Every other time it is translated, and I'll give you some, having drawn a conclusion, being decisive, no doubt whatsoever, uh, being fully persuaded, there's not, there's not actually the word if in there. It is for I fully anticipate. If you read it in the Greek, Jesus went to that tree fully anticipating to eat figs off it. Now, if, if you're the creator of heaven and earth and, and you're Jesus, you, you, what would be the point of going to a tree if you didn't expect to get figs off it? You got what I'm saying? Yeah, you'd go somewhere else. You'd go to get some bread or whatever. And so Jesus wasn't into wasting time. He didn't go to that tree on the whim. He didn't go to that tree thinking, well, you never know, possibility, miracles can happen. No, he actually went to the tree expecting to get figs off it. And if you read the Greek, it's incredibly clear he was fully persuaded. Now, verse 20, Mark eleven twenty. 20. Now in the morning as they passed, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt it in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask in prayer, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So what was Jesus saying? Well, I can tell you what he wasn't saying. He, he was not saying, Peter, got a good idea. Pick up the Mount of Olives, fling it into the sea. He didn't actually want Peter to shift the Mount of Olives at all. He was simply looking around for the most illogical, unreasonable example he could pick on at that time. He wanted to get a message across to his disciples. And so he looked around and he said, okay, throwing the, 
Yeah, throw the mountain into the sea. Try that one. In other words, what he was saying to them, nothing is impossible. Anything and everything is possible. But what I want you to understand today, and this is the first time I'd seen it in 50 years uh, from the story, he wasn't actually talking about the withering up of the tree. He wasn't talking about the miracle. They had already seen so many miracles that miracles were second sense to these guys. They'd seen him turn bread into multiplications and feed thousands of people. Blind eyes had been opened. Dead bodies had been raised. Miracles came out of Jesus like water comes out of a tap. He wasn't talking about the miracle. He was talking about their absolute bewilderment over the incident itself. Why? They were completely dumbfounded. Why on earth did Jesus curse the tree? Why did Jesus have such a ridiculous, illogical, unreasonable expectation in the first place? He knew it wasn't the season for figs. So why did he go to the tree? I mean, he ends up cursing this poor tree because he didn't give him figs. Well, of course he didn't give him figs. It was out of season. But Jesus still expected to get figs off it. So he still believed to get figs completely out of season. Why? Because he knew who he was. He knew he was the son of God. He knew that he was king of the earth. He knew that whilst he was walking under the authority and dominion of his father, when he was carrying out the will of his father, that anything and everything that was necessary for him to complete the task would be there, miraculous or not. And if he got hungry, there would be food. If he, if he needed money, there would be money. If there was, what well, doesn't matter what it was, if he was doing his father's will and he was under the authority and dominion of his father then he knew that anything and everything that was necessary to complete the task would be there and he lived with that anticipation of heart every day of his life and he didn't con- he didn't just reserve it for some great notable religious event in his life he It was a daily thing. It was a personal thing. And he's strolling down a road and he's feeling a little bit, you know, like he could do with a bit of nourishment. And so the first thing that pops into his head is figs. And so the fact that it was completely out of season was irrelevant. And this, you see, and this is what he's addressing when he speaks to the disciples. When he says to Peter, he says, because they're all dumbfounded over this whole incident. And he said, guys, guys, if you believe it in your heart and you have no doubt, you're carrying up your father's will, then, then you could grab a mountain and throw it into the sea. In other words, nothing's impossible. Absolutely zero. I mean, anything is possible. And, you, and what he was saying to him, you have to begin to live life with that kind of an anticipation. And you might say to me, well, he didn't get the figs. 
<laughs> not of that tree, but I get the, the, I guarantee the word got around and the next tree gave him figs. <laughs> you see, but you see, it, it, you see, it wasn't a lack of provision. It was purpose. Father wanted, Father needed that story, that event to communicate to those disciples something that was far greater than provision itself and that was living in anticipation of the miraculous, living in anticipation of provision. They would never forget that withered up tree. <laughs> the sight of that withered up tree would burn in their brains forever. Jesus could have said, Jesus could have given them the principle, I walk every day with anticipation of the miraculous and the illogical and the unreasonable, and they would have listened and they, most of them would have remembered most of it. But I'll tell you what, they'll never forgot that story. And so he used it. It was never about provision. It was always about purpose. You see, he knew who he was. He knew that when he was walking under divine command, he had divine command. At his word, a fish could carry a gold coin in its mouth. At his word, the storm would cease upon the sea. At his word, the dead bodies would come out of their graves because at his word, if he was carrying out the will of his father, there was a divine command because the authority you're under determines the authority you carry. And my whole point here is that right now, you are his son. You are his daughter. And you are filled with his DNA. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You are his born again of his seed, sons and daughters. And if you are walking through life under divine command and you have a commission from God, whether it's for your life or your business or your family or your church, if you know that you are carrying out your father's instruction, then anything and everything Everything that is necessary to fulfill that task will be provided. When the Lord asked me to uh, build a prophetic team 12 years ago, I said, Lord, how on earth do you do that? And he said, well, if you do, I'll give you a place to do it on. And you, most of you know the story. But he, he just, I was in Arusha, East Africa at the time. It all seemed to be impossible. Our home had a mortgage on it and didn't seem any possibility whatsoever. And he showed me a picture, a visual picture of the exact property he was going to give us. All I can tell you here today, Pastor Malcolm and Karen, they've been there. It's gorgeous, and we've been on it 12 years, 11 years now. And I want to tell you something. Every step of the way, it has been utterly miraculous. But my father, my father provided it the moment he spoke it in the first place. None of it ever took him by surprise. The seasons serve the master of the seasons. Are you getting a hold of this? 
We are not subject to logic. We are not subject to the global trend. We're subject to the one who is far greater. It serves his intention. And I want to tell you, friends, everything in life, if you're under divine command, and I can't stress that enough, if you're in living in, in, in intimacy with his heart, if you're listening to his daily commands, if your life is directed by the Holy Spirit, well, within that context, I say, everything in life serves his intention. You take a look at, I, I'm looking for a clock to know how long I've got. Could I, hmm? Yeah, I love that kind of a clock. It says triple zero. <laughs> um, so, um, <laughs> the other clock, yeah, I know, the other clock, yeah. I'm, ha- I'm fooling, I'm fooling. I, I yeah, I've been, uh, I'll tell you one quick, quiet. Have you ever heard of Peter Wagner? <laughs> well, years and years and years ago, I was asked to speak at a conference and he was one of the speakers as well. And, and, <laughs> and he was sitting in the front row, the, the most dignified, dapper kind of Kentucky fried chicken look, you know. Um, with a, he, 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 he just, he looked the ultimate colonel like he would unflappable, super, you know, reserved type person. And I, I was clowning around a bit and and they had had trouble with some of the speakers. And so they put this thumping great clock right in front. And it ticked you off. You know, it literally ticked you off, you know. And, 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 it, and, it, and it, we had to, you know. And so I was just having fun. And I said, well, cursed be every clock that stares at me. You know, like, like something like that. He leapt up out of his seat ran in front of the entire conference, grabbed hold of the clock and flung it bodily down on the carpet on his face. And the whole place started to cheer wildly and he went back to his seat and sat perfectly again. And I I was totally stunned. But anyways, it was a cool moment. All right. Now, we all have something that, you know, is, is... uh, identifiable in their lives. Well, Paul had a thing. It, Paul had a thing with prisons, actually. Um, and when in Acts 16, when Paul and Silas uh, get stuck in prison, remember, it's always about purpose. Father's purpose was uh, Father's purpose was to get a jailer and his family saved, and then return Paul and Silas back into itinerant ministry. So what happens? Well, he gets them into the prison. Why? Because putting them in the prison contacts them with the jailer and his family. It's all purpose. And then once he's got them in the prison, he sends a localized earthquake. Not any kind of earthquake because nobody else in the city even knew it had happened. It happened right by the door of their prison cell and opened the prison door. And it was, and then the jailer sees it, he gets saved, his family gets saved, Paul and Silas walsh out the jail, say, see ya, and off back into itinerant life. It was one night, that was it. But when God's purpose is to take Paul out of itinerant life, get some undivided time for him, get some time when he can really focus enough to write the epistles to the churches and influence the city of Rome, 
He knows he needs more than one night. So he gets Paul arrested, stuck into jail, but because he's a declared a Roman citizen, they can't mistreat him. They put him in the equivalent of a house arrest and to where he can have dignitaries coming and visiting him. He spent time spreading the gospel to all these guys that were coming to him. And in his free time, they supplied him with free parchment and pens and he wrote the epistles that you love reading today. And he was in prison for years. Because that's how long it took him to write them. You see, friends, it's not a matter of the prison or no prison. It's not prison or no prison. It's purpose. Father always has a purpose. And friends, they serve someone far greater than a prison. If you get your eyes on the circumstance, if you get your eyes on what it appears to be the cause of your restraint, you're going to miss it. It's never about provision. It's always about purpose. Now, coming back to that Mark 11 fig tree, Jesus expected there to be figs on it because he lived life with an unreasonable, illogical expectation that whatever Father Whatever was necessary for him to accomplish what Father had asked him to do would be there. And if that fig tree, it didn't fuss him that the fig tree didn't give him figs because he was able to use it to such good end to teach the principle. This is how I live, guys. I live in anticipation of the unreasonable. I live in anticipation of the miraculous. And I'm not just giving you rhetoric this morning because I've had to live that way. Three times doctors have told me I've had physical conditions that would have taken me out of the ministry and each time I've had to go in there with this completely illogical, unreasonable expectation that I was subject to someone far greater than the physical condition. Uh, We've seen miracle after miracle of um, financial supply. But my friends, listen to me. I have learnt one thing. There's only one person that's ordering my life. My father orders the steps of a righteous man or woman. You see, somewhere, I know I'm speaking to a lot of you this morning. Somewhere, believe me, if you're doing what father's asked you to do, somewhere there's a fish with a gold coin in its mouth. I'm telling you, somewhere there's a tree that will give you a fix. Because my Father's authority is greater than any natural law or circumstance that would ever seek to hinder it. And if he doesn't get figs off a tree, doesn't matter. He'll have a little boy's lunch, which he's going to multiply. Or he'll have a gold coin in the fish's mouth. It doesn't really matter how he does it because he's going to do it. You see, you settle that in your heart of hearts. Let me, let me just say this to you this morning. That all of us will face times in our lives if you're following God. I'm talking now about those of you that have determined to follow God and be, do that which he wants in the kingdom of God. If you've got that kind of a mindset, 
I'm not saying it might happen. I'm saying it has to happen. I'm saying if you're following in the footsteps of Jesus, it will happen for every individual and for every church. Most of the time, God will ask you to do something that's a bit of a stretch, a bit of an act of obedience, a bit of an act of a faith, and he's real pleased with the fact that you've done it. But every now and again, he is going to ask you to do something that's unreasonable, utterly illogical, totally impossible because if he doesn't then he has called you to live a life confined to the limitations of your own humanity and he can bless that he can favor that but I tell you he loves just being God And he will allow circumstances and he will allow challenges to arise that are completely out of sync with the season, completely unreasonable. But because he has asked it, he will provide everything necessary for its fulfillment. Joshua is fighting the Amorites and God tells him to do it in a day before the sun is set. And so he's doing the will of God, but the sun is setting. So without any thought whatsoever, no logics, no reason, no nothing, he just turns around, he points at the sun and says, now stop. Skid marks all over the cosmos and he stops the sun in its tracks. Utterly insane. Had that ever been done before? No. Was it illogical? Oh, yeah. Was it unreasonable? Yes, completely. Had anybody ever conceived of it? No, 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 no. Never been recorded. But the man didn't stop to think reasonably about this thing. I wonder how many miracles we miss because we stop to think about how reasonable it is, how logical it is. Does it fit in with everything else? It doesn't have to. And and because of the prophetic call of my life, most of the times God gives me something to preach, he lets me experience it first. And and, and as, as I was preparing this message... Suddenly, he brought something back into my mind and, and I thought, so that's why that happened. I always wondered why that happened and it was for you. <laughs> it's so I could give this illustration this morning. It's so cool. Because what have I been saying? I'm saying that it can be completely out of sync with the season. You see, people think there are seasons to do things and seasons not to do things. We get things in boxes. We don't. We shouldn't do that. Now, I know it's in the book, You Did What? But let me tell you a little cool story. Some of you know it. I know you do. But, but Margaret and I, because this will also tell you something, God does not reserve the miraculous for the super spiritual issues. He's actually interested in you. He actually loves you as an individual. And he's aching just to intervene all the time for you. It doesn't have to be a big reason. It doesn't have to be because you're about to, you know, do some major kingdom thing. He just loves you. And there was an incident a few years ago. 
And when I was preparing this message about God's miraculous is not subject to the season, I thought, that is so cool. Margaret and I were in Switzerland. And this years ago, and and it was one of these middle of the summer, hot, sunny, gorgeous weather, and we were in shorts and t-shirts, and hot, 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 beautiful, and we were on the side of this big valley thing, and Margaret said to me, isn't this cool? She said, just imagine this in the middle of winter. It will be all white and snow. And we went to bed that night and I said, Father, how about, how about you just show off? I said, you created the heavens and the earth in six days. You could make it snow. It's the middle of summer. I know, but you created all the seasons. And, and wouldn't it be a cool thing? I mean, everybody will talk about it for years. Come on, a bit of snow. You say you don't talk to God like that? Yes, I do. He's my father. Went to sleep, woke up the next morning, freezing. And we pulled back the curtains. It was white and it was snowing and it snowed all day. It's a matter of record. You can look it up. And it was so heavy that it snapped the branches off the trees. We could hear it happening. And the locals are running around saying, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? You think, oh, that's ridiculous. Yes, utterly. But we've got to start living in anticipation of the unreasonable. I'm telling you something now, my friends. Listen to me. Will you get the odd knock back? Yes. But that shouldn't change your mindset. Why why do you think it was that Jesus spoke a word and Lazarus came out of a tomb? It was because he went to a fig tree expecting to get figs. The fact that there wasn't figs on there was irrelevant to the fact that he had the expectation of it. And when there wasn't figs there, it didn't disappoint him, it didn't discourage him, it didn't tell him that, oh, this doesn't work. No, he immediately thought, okay, what's the purpose? Okay, if I had an expectation for figs, they should have been on a tree. Now, they weren't on a tree. I'll curse the jolly tree. But, but what was the real purpose? Ah, the purpose was to teach this mob that anything's impossible and you should live life with that kind of an anticipation. Always there's a purpose. I've got to wind it up, close. I've got a conviction of my heart. I'll put it to the test a few hundred times so it's well proven. And here it is. If I am walking in obedience to a command from my Father, then everything, everything, natural or spiritual, that must take place for me to fulfill that task will take place. Do you get a hold of that? Uh, Because if I didn't believe that, I would never tackle some of the incredibly unreasonable things my father's asked me to do. Why have I been preaching like this this morning? Because I'm absolutely convinced this is the season you're going into. 
I believe there are things in the next 12 months, 18 months or so, between now and the next time I see I believe, not just for the church, but for every single one of you, I believe that God will challenge you. What do you do? What do you want to do? Do you want to live the rest of your life within the confines of what you humanly can do? Or will you dare to believe that my Father can do anything as long as I'm walking in obedience to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we're not governed by seasons or global trends or circumstances. or Father, thank you that we're not restrained by humanity, ours or someone else's. But my Father, if we are walking in accordance to your will, Oh, anything's possible. Father, I ask, Lord, today that your word will be like a seed that will germinate in every heart. And that even tomorrow morning, that will be kind of this uh, new expectation, this new anticipation. Build a tsunami of anticipation, Father, in the hearts of your people. Father, for the miraculous, divine intentions and interventions of God. Father, I pray that we will live our lives in intimacy with you, hearing your voice clearly, obeying it boldly, and anticipating your divine interventions. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.